Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. Welcome to Parents in Hell, the show in which Josh and I discuss what it's really like to be a parent, which I would say can be a little tricky. So, to make ourselves, and hopefully you, feel better about the trials and tribulations of modern day parenting, each week we'll be chatting to a famous parent about how they're coping. Or hopefully how they're not coping. And we'll also be hearing from you, the listener, with your tips, advice, and of course, tales of parenting woe. Because let's be honest, there are plenty of times when none of us know what we're doing. Hello, I'm Rob Beckett. And I'm Josh Whittacombe. And you're listening to Now That's What I Call Parenting Hell. Adam Buxton, welcome to the podcast. Before we start, have you done a podcast before? Do you need any pointers, explanation of how it all works, or you good? Uh, uh, n- I, am I able to swear? Uh, yeah, <laughs> as much as you want. So what, how many kids you got? What's your kids set up? I think, I'm pretty sure I've got three. Yep. Um, I've got, there's a girl, there's definitely a girl. She's nice and she seems to like me. There's two boys. One of them's keener on me than the other one. They're teenagers. The oldest one has gone off to university. Oh, wow. Last year, studying music production. That was a big deal because we really thought that he was never, ever going to leave the house. And I don't think he wanted to leave the house. The middle one is quite different. He's 17 now. In the best possible way, he doesn't give a shit. (laughs) I mean, that's a quality that is sometimes a source of anxiety and worry for the lad. And also frustration when the lad doesn't do anything or want to do anything or do what you say or what you suggest. But then other times I do think, actually, that's kind of a superpower. If you mm. genuinely don't give a shit and you're not horrible, which yeah. he's not, he's like, he's, he's a nice guy and he's got one or two talents. He's quite musical. I think that that's a pretty good way to be because I was the opposite. I gave a shit about everything. Yeah. Mm. And it was, you know, crippling. <laughs> How does not giving a shit <laughs> manifest itself? Give an example of him not kind of giving a shit. Well, he doesn't seem to be. I mean, I've got to be careful not to malign yeah. him. unfairly but he doesn't seem overly worried about his academic progress at school or lack thereof yeah and the whole revising for exams thing nah he's not too worried about that he's got it down he's like it's fine it's fine i'm gonna do it at the end this is how i do it okay it's like he pretends that he's got a system He's like, no, you idiots, you don't understand. The system is, I do it the night before. That's how I do it. (laughs) And then we say, yeah, but you failed all of those exams. I know because I didn't do it that time. (laughs) This time I'm going to do it the night before and it's going to be fine. (laughs) I went to school in central London, right next to uh, Westminster Abbey. And I remember wandering around in St. James's Park just before my A-levels with a bottle of whiskey in my pocket thinking my life is over because I am not on top of these exams and I don't know what's going to happen to me. And the school I went to, they drilled it into you that you better pull your socks up, Buxton, because otherwise you can forget about the rest of your life. You know, if you don't get into this university or that university, that's it. You're done. Yeah. I really believed it, you know, and it's such a bullshit. So your son doesn't care about that kind of stuff but obviously you were kind of tormented by it do you find it difficult to let go of that yourself do you find yourself putting pressure on him with that or do you feel like you can step back and let it just 
unfold? Well, I'm definitely, you know, in the good cop, bad cop dynamic that my wife and I adopt, like many other parents, I'm definitely the cop that's saying, hey, it's fine. You're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Whereas she's much more on top of all their educational stuff. I really do think that too much pressure is put on children. And this idea that if you don't get the right exam results, it's all over is bullshit. I appreciate that. You know, we're very lucky in all sorts of ways. They've got a safety net, our children, and there's all kinds of ways that they're spoiled and we're going to be there for them and not everyone is in that fortunate position so the stakes are higher and the stakes are high for our children as well you know i want them to do as well as they can and to do some work and understand that you do actually have to try at things for things to happen you can't just expect everything to come to you yeah but at the same time it is not all over if you screw up your exams you know yeah also so sometimes you don't have to try hard genuinely with certain things obviously you have to put effort in with things but for me like with certain stuff if i try hard i ruin it so you do have to make sure you're putting all the effort in in the right places but just by staring at a page for 12 hours doesn't mean it'll help You know what I mean? Where sometimes I think people can be coerced into over-preparing and working too hard. And that stresses them out as well, where some people naturally are better if they're more rested and chilled and relaxed than being so crippled with the pressure of it. Yeah, exactly. And also it sometimes seems as if all you're training them to do is play a certain system that actually doesn't equip them with all that many skills for what's really important in life. You know, they still don't teach all sorts of very basic things at school. I think they're beginning to do it a bit more. You know what I mean? Like relationships, how to open a bank account, how to do your washing, how to feed yourself properly. You know, there are more of those elements creeping into education now. I get the impression. And they're beginning to talk about like, oh, you know, treat people with respect and do all that sort of stuff. But still, there are yawning gaps there that are filled with just a load of stuff that you learn by rote that you're never going to use. Totally agree. Obviously, you went to a school which was very proper and about results and all that kind of thing. Yeah, who the fuck goes to school in Westminster? Where's this gaff? I've never heard of it. You're not going to believe what it's called, Rob. I can tell you what it's called. (laughs) You said it in the (laughs) word. (laughs) Westminster School. Yeah, this was an expensive private school that my parents got me into, that my dad was very excited to get me into. He kind of, he kind of got a last minute deal. Yeah. He got a cheap deal. Like, you know, sometimes if you book hotels at the right time, you can get yeah. Yeah. quite a nice room for a lot less. I think that's what he got with Westminster. And as a result, I started a term later. Oh, right. Did you have siblings as well, Adam? I did, yes. I was the oldest of three. No, they didn't go there. The thing with my dad, which I wrote about in my book, was that he kind of overreached financially. Yep. And he ran out of money. It's a lot of pressure on you. Yeah, I basically emptied the pot. Oh, fuck. Um, That's a lot of pressure. It was a lot of pressure. I mean, my brother and sister did start to go to similar schools, but yeah, he had to take my brother out and he never really forgave himself for that. And there was a lot of pressure on me that I didn't feel at the time. Oh my God. No wonder you got a bottle of whiskey on the guy in the park. (laughs) Exactly. But then later on, I really did feel like me waggling toys on Channel 4 and doing poo and fart jokes is not what my dad was imagining when he spent (laughs) all his money. And ruined his marriage by sending me to an expensive school. But you got him on the show. Was that a kind of, was that a nod to it? I've got my dad on the TV show as a kind of slight payback. 100%. 
Yeah, uh, it definitely was. That was one of the big things I was thinking was like, here you go, Dad. You see, it wasn't a total waste of money after all. And I used to love it when we did. This is I'm talking about a show called The Adam and Joe yeah, Show yeah. that me and Joe Cornish used to do on Channel 4. And my dad, who was then in his mid-70s, <laughs> was drafted in to be our kind of youth correspondent. And we'd go off to festivals with him and he'd review records and hip hop and the Spice Girls and all sorts of stuff. You know, the joke was, ha ha, here's this posh old guy and he's totally out of touch with this stuff. But it was funny to hear him rant about it because he hated it all. Are you going to sue Jack Whitehall for stealing your idea or just leave it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't think we invented the idea of uh, (laughs) getting your parents involved with fun shenanigans the thing about jack whitehall is that he's always on screen with his dad i never really was we always just used to leave him to it my dad but i really did think here we go look i've come good after all that uh, money you wasted at the school here we are on tv because he liked being on tv my dad well he was a writer wasn't he a wine critic kind of thing is that right yeah exactly he was a travel writer and he wrote about wine. Yeah, that was his big passion. And he loved walking. And- well, travel and wine is all very sort of like about money and sort of like, you know, there's always a nev- next level up. And I suppose he sort of translated that into schooling as well, where that school is probably one of the best in the country, I imagine. Yeah, he came from a big working class family in Sussex and his parents helped to run an estate for a wealthy family they basically had it drummed into them that they would do anything they could to be part of the establishment you know that they would um, move up the social ranks and so my dad always aspired to being part of what he saw as the right people and the right environment and go to Oxbridge and read the right books and plus he was a clever guy who worked really hard so it's not as if he didn't belong there Mm. do you know what I mean like it's not as if he didn't have what was required. How does that reflect then kind of upbringing that you've given your kids? What do you take from that and then place onto them as a parent? I'm raising them to be working class. (laughs) 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 Because that's what everyone aspires to now. Everyone hates posh people. So I'm bringing them up as EastEnders. Jelly deals for breakfast, stuff like that. Yeah. Swap Rosie for a whippet. <laughs> That's right. Rosie's your dog, by the way, not your daughter, just to confirm to the listeners. Hello, Mylene Class. How are you? I like that intro. That was great. Thank you. Been up all night writing it. It's not too, it's not too um, gushing, is it? No. Do you know what? I like succinct. I think it's weird when you do a show and then they like, you're sat there while they intro you and they're reading out all the, your credits and stuff. It's just an awkward start. Do you know what? You're absolutely right, so thank you. Author, musician, <laughs> member of Hearsay, which we won't go into. You can go wherever you like. I have nothing to hide. Well, should we, should we start with how many kids you got? That's the classic. What's your, what's your kids set up, Marlene? Okay, so I've got um, a 15-year-old. 15? Uh, I've got an 11-year-old. Okay. Uh, Boys or girls? Are they both girls? Both girls. Yep. So Ava's 15, Hero's 11, and then I've got my baby boy who's three. His name's Apollo, but we call him Snoopy. He's just turned three. Amazing. <laughs> How comes the Apollo to Snoopy, yeah? Well, when I was pregnant, I put um, a piece of paper up on the door because I wanted all the kids just, you know, to really feel involved. Because my partner, he has two children too, so we're a blended family of seven all in. Blimey. Um, I know, honestly, it's, it's chaos. Um, but um, I thought, let's let all the children feel really involved in this and write down any name that you want to call the baby. I don't know who the culprit was, but somebody wanted to call him um, Snoop Dogg. 
And I was like, don't be so ridiculous. We're not going to have a baby called Snoop Dogg. And would you believe it? It's what stuck. So he's been given like this god of music and science, Apollo. We've given him that name and nobody uses it. Snoopy. Amazing. (laughs) Snoopy, Snoopy. His teachers, his little nursery teachers. He calls himself. He calls himself Snoopy. That's incredible. So do you think that'll stick when he goes to school? I, I'm guessing so. It's, it's the only that's thing he it. to, and that's how he introduces himself. <laughs> it's a little Snoopy. <laughs> so how, because you've got, so are all the kids in your house, so they split between other houses with, pe- d- like, different parents? So the three are permanent residents, two come and go, and then there's myself and my partner, and I'd like to say we're permanent residents too. How old are the other two kids? Uh, also 15 and 11. So how spoiled is Snoop getting having all these sort of older kids and parents around? Because he's going to be the little golden boy. If he ever learns to tie his shoelaces by 21, it will be a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) He went through a phase of not even speaking. It was kind of just, hmm. (laughs) We, We just, well, look, he's a rainbow baby. So we are we're all obsessed with him what's a rainbow baby the rainbow baby is the baby that you get at the end of the rainbow after you've had um, miscarriages and I had four miscarriages so so to get this baby he was you know obviously all babies are very very precious but was just willed over the finishing line we were so worried to the to the last the minute I held him in my arms I didn't even believe I was having him I didn't dare to believe I was having him. Did, did, did you, was it, I mean, we've gone quite quite heavy quite early. Was it difficult to keep going with those set points when you thought, we're not going to do this? All the time, because I spent, I spent four, you know, have four miscarriages when you've um, had two, you know, seemingly very straightforward pregnancies. Uh, it just, it rattles you. I think anybody who's ever been through anything, even, you know, remotely like that, you know, one is awful, four it's just looking into the and giving up. Oh my, I can only imagine. We had one and that was horrific. And then the pregnancy after that, there's no joy in the pregnancy after that. Absolutely we found- no. It's fear. It's like every time yeah. you go to the loo, you just think that you're scared just to go to the loo. Um, yeah. You just don't know what you're going to find. And I think, you know, you're just forever worried. If you if you feel a movement, you're worried. If you don't feel a movement, you're worried. I don't know if you you had to experience, you know, all the injections and the pessaries and the, the drugs that are required, but I was rattling around, you know, you know every yeah. everything I could possibly take, I took it because I just didn't want to take any, any chances. But we got him. But you've got him. And he's called Snoopy, against your wishes. That's why he's That's... now sort of, he just floats aloft on this yeah. like cloud. <laughs> <laughs> around on, because he's just, I'm so, I am, I still, I don't think I will ever get over the fact that I have him. Yeah. Um, oh. just, he's here, and I just, I'm just, I just, you know, sneak into his room at night and just stroke his head and smell his hair. That, you know, that baby smell that you're just trying to just still hang on. <laughs> And are you done now, though? Would you go again? Or is it too much stress from what's happened before? I, you know what? On a serious note, I don't think I could do it again. I couldn't tempt fate like that again. Uh, I just, I don't think I could do it. I think I got my lot. I really did. Um, And from a practical consideration, I don't think there's a tall bus big enough now. (laughs) (laughs) I had to get a bigger kitchen table, a bigger dinner table to fit everyone around it. Um, So just from a practical consideration, I just, I don't know how we'd move. It's like the circus coming to town wherever we go. How do you genuinely, what are the practicalities of going from A to B with five kids? 
you have to be so organized and I always have a master point not joking in case anyone gets lost along the way <laughs> <laughs> so what, what how big's your car what are we looking at Previa full galaxy how big how many seats well, you got sometimes, no, sometimes we just have to just go in sort of in 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 a rotation or drop someone at the tube or there's just like, yeah, yeah. Well, we, we're not. We can't do the eighties anymore. Where you just throw someone in the boot. It just doesn't really work. <laughs> so we have to just really, you know. I've got with, with the fifteen-year-olds. It's a little bit easier because they, they, you know, they're a bit more independent. But uh, it is, like I said, you have to real practical considerations. How to move everybody? It's like it is like kettling rather than raising. <laughs> and how do you jump between a like a three-year-old and then teenage girls? Oh my goodness! If you figure it out, I'm all in. <laughs> um, it is. It's really. It's. It's a real challenge because I think people have this idea of you have teenagers and they're going to be this one way, and you have toddlers and they're going to be this other way. And like, actually, you're just dealing with independent people. You don't yeah. know what these little people are going to want or what they're going to be like. And I just think the most important thing really is with, you know, so many little people with all these big feelings is that you just remind them that you're teen children. That's it. Whatever they need, whatever support they want, you know, whatever it is that, that, that you know, that, that, that they need in their lives at whatever time, you, they just need to know that you're supporting them. And that's the best thing I can do because it's just, it's just most definitely, it's not one size fits all. Yeah. And got, you know, all my children, they're very, very different. Um, yeah, they're very different. We've, we've got things obviously all in common. We all, you know, make music together. I've managed to you know, pass on, you know, piano lessons that they all seem to love. And I love doing that with us together because I made my own band. But then, you know, my elder, she's like some chemistry wizard. I've got no clue. I can't help her. Absolutely yeah. no, none whatsoever. Uh, my 11-year-old, she's like comedian slash wants to make clothes for the drag queens. She's on her own trajectory. And then obviously there's, the emperor, the golden child, who whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Brian Connolly. I'm very excited about this, Brian. I'm. I've got moist. I'm very <laughs> excited, uh, and I would like to apologise for my visual uh, thing that you'll see. Yeah, you've got a line down the screen. Well, do you know what you say? Apologise. We just had some pro- the classic mute problems on Zoom, yeah. and. You're, when you were speaking, we couldn't hear you, and your your face was so funny. I thought he's doing a bit. He's, <laughs> this is him doing like a kind of I can't. Uh, I'm built for comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I've even got the comedy uh, screen. Um, let me point out to the listeners. Um, yeah, when when we got, when we're in lockdown, we just before lockdown, we bought this computer. Whopper Chopper does the old fingerprint. You haven't got to do anything. Um, but we never realised the blimmin'. So it look, it, there's a crack in the line down the middle. Oh, in the camera, yeah. No. So, but um, I'm I'm doing the one shot, and uh, my next door neighbour come around because they got a good computer, and uh, we couldn't get it on. So I'm in the middle there of this, you know, the great big sort of twenty by twenty screen with this blimmin' thing. <laughs> and you're right, I do. And people only re- when I was walking down the street, they're going, "Yeah, all right, Bri." Yeah, I should yeah, take yeah. A, I should take a photo of it so we can put it online. <laughs> <laughs> that line down your head. Oh, I've got it perfect. No. Um, well, you've made it here. So, Brian, what's well, how many kids you got? Let's, let's, let's start off with that. Two kids. Um, I have two girls. Um, I've got Lucy and Amy. Uh, Lucy is, um, as you just saw, because of my age, she's helped me get on this uh, podcast. In fact, I have to say, this is the very first podcast I've ever done it ever in my life. Really? Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, here we go. I've done radio. You see, what's the difference between radio and podcast? Tell me that one. 
that we don't have to we don't have to play a song we can just babble on for as long as we <laughs> yeah. want there's no time restraints no bosses as well there's oh, no man nice telling one. us what to do but we can say things like bum and poo yeah whatever you <laughs> want <laughs> yeah i'm gonna say it now fuck yeah. i just said it man i've never ever said it i don't i think there's people out there going i can't believe it it's going to get in the papers and everything did you work clean then completely basically all your stuff yeah 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 you had to when I was uh, doing my show, I had a joke uh, where, you know, I had to say, uh, I wanted to say bum, and I was not allowed to say bum. And no one, and I can't believe it, you know, like in the, now, everyone can say far. You know, you can say far in pantomime. You, you were never, ever allowed to do that. But now really? it's very acceptable, because I suppose the sort of rule is, if you're, um, you know, a little kid going to school, you know, how would the teacher react? You just go, well, what are you doing, Johnny? Well, I just farted. You know, so that was always the, the times rule. have changed. Yeah. But then you also did have a TV show where you pre pretended to play the violin with your cock out. Well, no, yeah, there's some line <laughs> that people worry that my penis had a nail on the end of it. No, it was my finger. Um, I had the full song. I still do it in the main act. If um, I have to say, it's probably the best visual in the world. This whole oh, it's full unbelievable. Song, the song "The Devil Went Down at Georgia," and when I hold the bow with my finger. That they have that rock where the whole audience just go forward like yeah, that. So the good. trouble is I, I can never follow it. <laughs> so I'll yeah. do it, and then and it always takes me ages to get the blimmin' thing on. So there's this hiatus where I'm sort of trying to get the thing on. Anyway, yeah. So uh, what were we talking about? My kids. Yeah, your kids. Yeah. So we'll get the sort of gushing stuff out of the way. But I've always loved all we, your well, we stuff. We should say we said on this podcast that Rob saw you, and that's what's in his kind of. When I was in a kid. Bartlins. what? How old have you been, Rob? Um, I can't remember. It was you were you were doing a routine where you sort of had a pretend baby in a buggy and it was crying, and then I, all the dangerous Brian stuff. I remember watching that on the telly, having the VHS and things like that, and we all watched it as a family and absolutely loved it. And that's like that. My about ideal comedy is when you can watch it with your nan, your brother, your auntie, everyone, and everyone finds it funny. But yes, yeah, absolute hero of mine. So very oh, very excited to be doing this, Brian. You're the reason that that night is the reason Rob Beckett is here now. I I left the stage early that night because I thought there's a weird kid in the audience with great people <laughs> smiling at me. Stage yeah. manager said, You've only done 20 minutes. I said, That kid's shitting the life out of me. <laughs> it's just teeth and hair. What is, what is that in the middle? I remember um, that, that routine. I've still got, I never ever throw one prop away. I love props. I love visual comedy. I think visual comedy goes right across the board, young, old. Um, and you still got that pram then? Still got it up in the loft. Because what oh. happens was the baby used to come out. I had the baby made. It was the ugliest baby ever. I used to do a couple of baby jokes. Then I put it in there and it was a very popular song that we are the world, we are yeah. the children. And then a little, and I used to put the baby in the pram. And then I had a little lever, and the baby used to play a little trumpet in the pram. Just go, <laughs> and I'd be there rocking it. I think once I had kids, I go, I don't want to relate to them at all. So I never, I took out all my kid jokes, all my baby routine. When I get out of the house, I just want to forget those kids now. And really? so, what point in your career did you have the kids? I was doing really well. Um, and then it all went wrong. I kids. Um, <laughs> you're on a so podcast. How, how old are they now, Brian? <laughs> so we've got Lucy, who's 20, and Amy, who's 25. Lucy works as an events manager at a very popular uh, cinema chain. And Lucy wants to be a comedian. Oh, wow. Ooh. And she's a great singer. And she's done a little bit of work. She's done a bit of acting. And uh, she's got a pantomime. 
Oh, wicked. Oh. Yeah, she's doing pantomime in uh, Richmond. Their love of singing has always been there as well. But Lucy uh, just has that extra really wanting to be in uh, the biz. And did you have your children come and watch you from an early age then? Well, uh, they both were. I got them in the show uh, with pantomime. Uh, Amy um, is wonderfully talented, but uh, she's never quite had that confidence to get out there. Uh, Lucy is uh, slightly different. I think Amy takes after Anne-Marie, my wife, and Lucy takes after me. But uh, Lucy desperately wanted to be part of it. So I... I had a, you you don't have it now, but they used to have little teams of the babes. So you'd have 10 little kids that would be part of it. And uh, I got her to be one of the babes and she would learn the dance routines. But I always had another costume made because I've heard of people that, yes, they're 10 kids. They take one out while the celeb's daughter or son could do it. And then that poor child that was left out, obviously, because they didn't have a costume. But I went, nope, I want an 11th costume. I want everything in 11s so that little loose can dip in and out. And then right at the very end, when I spoke about the bear, the fairy would come out and we'd get Lucy when she was tiny, and Amy would do this, say about, oh, I don't know, like about three or four, and she would come out with the fairy with the bear and give it to the child who's a similar age. And then I would go to Lucy. i go, hello, what's your name? She'd go, Lucy. And i go, how old are you? She would go, I'm three and three quarters. And i go, have we ever met before? And she'd go, no, daddy. <laughs> Do you want to do the intro, Josh? So Rob always starts by saying, do you want to do the intro, Josh? And then the intro is literally, <laughs> hello, Giovanna. It's not, it's not an intro. <laughs> Giovanna Fletcher. Yeah. It's like... Queen of the castle slash jungle. Yeah. But what we do, we'll do all that beforehand so you don't have to sit here and listen to us talking about your credits because that's weird when you have to do that. It is. It yeah. is. It's an, it's an odd thing. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, how are you? And can you let our listeners know how many children you got? What's your child set up at home? My child set up is that I have three children, three yeah. boys, who are eight, six and four. Nicely spaced. Oh, boys. Yes. Three boys. All boys. All boys. So we've just, well, Josh has got a boy. I've got two girls and Josh has got one girl. I find boys a nightmare. <laughs> Do you? That's interesting. <laughs> Rough. They're rough. <laughs> rough and tumble, isn't it? I imagine if I had a little girl, I would be like, God, those boys. Yeah. They are. I mean, I always call them quite feral, but really they are just, they like rough and tumble. They love being outside. Yeah. Someone said to me once, with boys, you've got to treat them like they're dogs. They need to be outside. They need to be walked. They need to be fed and they need to sleep. And as long as those three things are happening, life's good. And uh, at first I was like, oh, don't compare my child to a dog. And then now I'm like, no, I get it. <laughs> yep. I totally respect what that man was saying. And <laughs> follow that formula and life is good. <laughs> so what would you do on a rainy day with three boys? Oh, go outside anyway. Go outside, get your wellies on. Hide. Make it an adventure. Yeah, or just hide in this cupboard. <laughs> and then life is good. <laughs> you must be at a slightly like, easy street, as it were, now at this point, because they're not babies anymore. The youngest is four, yeah. so they're doing stuff from 
themselves, especially yeah. the youngest of three always is a bit more, you know, can do more stuff at four than the eldest would because they copy. Well, they've started doing this great thing at the weekends. They do um, Buddy's Breakfast Bar. So the middle one's called Buddy. And literally, we'll come down, there'll be toast, there'll be cereal. Oh. They've done it for his brothers. Oh, wow. And that, that is amazing. That was a total game changer. One of the mums at school said that she used to pre-do the cereal and just wrap it in cellophane like she'd get the bowl out. That's a much cleaner yeah. way of okay. doing it. But for us, we're like, just go and have fun. Just go go and sort yourselves out in the best way that you can. And you know that you've, you're going to come down, there's going to be Rice Krispies everywhere, a few cornflakes on the floor, there'll probably be a milk spillage. But in my head, I'm also, they've got to be a little bit independent yeah. you know and, and and leaning into that if they're enjoying it then brilliant that's great and they can always help clear up as well can't they you know what i mean yeah that's the next step that <laughs> okay, is the let's, next step let's not run before we can walk rob come on <laughs> and so are you relaxed so you're upstairs still in bed while yeah. buddy's breakfast yeah. bar's going on what's your yeah. levels of relaxation there <laughs> it's fine if there's no arguing going on then I am asleep. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, and I know that, you know, the whole, if they're quiet, it means they're up to something. That is definitely true. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely true. However, they're also happy and they're not fighting each other because my kids have this inability to just walk past each other without an arm or a leg coming out to hit <laughs> okay. the other child. Yeah, yeah. They just can't. It's constant physical contact with them. So if they are, you know, on a Saturday morning, if it is all nice and quiet and no one is yelping in pain or going, is it this? then I'm happy. I'm happy to just lie in bed. We try it until 8 o'clock at the weekend. Oh, that's good. I literally thought you were going to say 11. So (laughs) 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 Some people who aren't parents listening going, 8 o'clock, that's what you dream of aiming for. Yes, because it used to be 5 o'clock. So, you know, 8 o'clock is a massive step in the right direction. Don't get me wrong. I'm very jealous of your eight o'clock. Don't, don't <laughs> really? get me wrong on that. But I think you're, because you've got a one-year-old, you're still dreaming of the day where it's 11 or 12, but that never no. happens, I don't think. No. No. Well, and when it does, actually, it's them, and we'll be trying to get them out of bed. Yeah, when they're teenagers, Rob. I can't yeah. imagine your children ever sleeping in, Rob. Well, I think the youngest is more likely to sleep in. She's a bit more like me, but the eldest is like Lou and like up like a button, early doors, let's do something in your face. They just have so much energy. I think that they fight a little bit, but with the boys I've seen like on holidays and school yeah. and stuff, they're just mad for it. You sort of assume, you know, like... Well, oh. you were one of four boys, Rob. Were you fighting all the time? Yeah, well, my mum got put on a NSPCC watch list because we used <laughs> no! to go to hospitals so much for, like, bang dead. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. The amount of times we've gone on... The night I went into labour with Max, so I'd had a... I don't know if this is TMI for your podcast, but uh, so I'd gone in for a sweep that day, so things were happening. And I was doing, like, a frantic last-minute sweep, tidy up of the house, so I knew the grandparents would come over. And the kids had literally... They were about to go up to bed. Tom was at the stairs and said, right, guys, let's go up. Buddy stood up on the sofa... One foot fell off the sofa, smack bang straight into the coffee table, split his head open. So we ended up going to hospital with him so that he could get his head sewn back together. And that is when my contraction started for the third child. So they are accident prone, but that one was well ill-timed, I would (laughs) say. That's the worst timing. Did you move from A&E to the maternity bit of the hospital? No, because it's there, I'm kind of a bit like, well, let's go home and see what happens. And also, because I was so worried about Buddy, who, bless him, he was he was actually okay. It's a tough one, that one. So we went home and I tried lying down with him for a bit. And then by 10 o'clock, we phoned the grandparents. I'm like, actually, you need to come over. So by 12 o'clock, we were on our way back to the hospital. 
That's that is a hell of a situation. But the amount of times we go to hospital for, you know, knees being split open, heads, it's just, you know, wrists, arms. Are you are yeah. you all right with that now? Are you a panicker when they hit themselves? Are you like, oh, here we go, another scar? <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like that. I am a little bit, come on, you're fine. Oh, no, you're not. The bone is broken. Let's go to the <laughs> hospital. <laughs> Yeah, you can't really panic, I don't think. And also, it does depend which child it is because they all need different things. Yeah. You know, and so our eldest is a bit... He's he's very emotional and panics. So knowing for him, I've just got to be super cool yeah. and super calm yeah. you know and just kind of and I do the whole kind of it's fine we'll just go and see the doctor you know <laughs> yeah. all that raised kind of voice thing so yeah I try not to flap over it that much now and just kind of be a bit more pragmatic with it if That's I can good. I'm a flapper it will no surprise I need to thank you as well for winning me money in the jungle. You know, when he did the Wales <laughs> jungle and I'm a say, well, yes. I put money on you early doors to win. So I need to say thank you for that. <laughs> for me, it was a dead sir. Ah, oh, thank you very much. Because I knew how nice you were. Also, <laughs> huge following on your podcast. And then boy band member, husband, that is the one. And kids at home, so they'll send you a letter and you'll get all upset. I thought, this is a guarantee. <laughs> we didn't get letters. You didn't get letters at her? We didn't get letters. No. That's hard. Yeah, they gave us a sentence that was... Um, I got mine on chocolate hobnobs, mine were. So I got two chocolate hobnobs and just a sentence of this massive letter that our loved ones did send, but they only included a line of it. Oh, brutal. Actually, I've never actually read the letter that Tom actually did write the entire thing. I've not read it. It's because the rest of it was really brutal. So they had to only give you a line of it. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing this, you're doing that. (laughs) (laughs) We're having a great time without you. We're in A&E again. Just (laughs) let you know, we're all sewed up, ready to go. How was it though? How long was you away from the kids on that show? Oh, a long time. So I was in isolation for two weeks before. Fuck. Basically, I could start with the kids there, but once they'd left, they couldn't come back. Right. And right. it was one of those typical things where Tom could come with me for that first night and then he had to come back to do, I think Little Mix had a programme on BBC, you know, yeah, that talent yeah. one. So he had to come back the following day. So I then had all three kids and my dad and my stepmom, And then... That the weekend Tom came back but couldn't come in, oh. so I couldn't have any contact with oh, him. Uh, so two of the kids weren't with him then, the older two, because I had to go back to school. And again, once they'd gone to him, they couldn't come back to me because of COVID. And then the following weekend, Tom came to get Max. So I made sure that I did all of my proper goodbyes and stuff with him, who at the time was only one, oh. before getting him in the car. And I remember being there, the door shutting on the car, and, and Max just being like, no, mummy can't. Oh, no. Mummy can't. Right. Oh, God. Absolutely distraught. But my friend sent me like this little care package and one of the things in it was a Brussels sprout, you know, one of those Impossi puzzles. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I literally spent the next four days doing this Impossi puzzle <laughs> oh, of like Brussels sprouts. And that really God, helped. The glamour of showbiz. But I couldn't... <laughs> I the biggest show and telly you were doing, sat there doing a fucking Brussels sprout <laughs> puzzle on your own. <laughs> it's the dream gig, the big gig on telly. It was hard. Sat there. <laughs> Yeah, I've made it. Have I? In a fucking cabin in Wales. Thanks for joining us, Jermaine. Um, no, can you, you let us know, how old are your kids? You've got two? No, I've got four. Rob. Four? Four kids, yeah. Jesus. Four. Well, got no wonder you're doing loads old. of telly work. <laughs> <laughs> the no one ways. show, the morning show. You. <laughs> <laughs> 
doing what I can just to get out of the house personally. Uh, I've got a 14 year old, I've got a nine year old, I've got a six year old, and a uh, he's five months old now, the baby. So, Whoa. yeah, really right. nicely spaced right. out. Every, every yeah. four or five years, you go, Do you know what? Why yeah. not? Let's go again. Actually, you know I, I don't said want to sleep old. anymore. She's for a five. Bit. <laughs> I'll get in trouble for that. She's five. She's six this year. The, the, yeah, the third girl. Three girls and a boy. But you're right. It is carnage. I'm not going to lie. Three girls and a boy. Blimey. How is it being back at five months? Um, scary, but also quite nice. In a weird way, out of all the kids that I've had, this is the baby that I'm. I was actually prepared for and ready for, yeah. and probably mature enough to handle and understand everything. Whereas, you know, when I'm a fourteen now, fourteen year old. I mean, I was you know a twenty year old lad playing Premier League football, playing oh, for England, yeah. and you think you can just solve everything with money. You're not yeah. actually. You're you're nowhere near ready to be having a child. My fourteen year old with my ex. Yeah. So we we, we um, do they still we, live in the states? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So they live in America. Correct. Yeah. So she lives in America now, and she comes over during the summer periods and at Christmas and stuff like that. But you you know at, at those periods during my life, I was just like, well, yeah, I've got a kid. What do I do? But then most yeah. kids my age my age would panic, and I went, well, you know, at this particular point in my life, I've, I've got plenty of money. I've got a house. All of the things you worry about. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had naturally, but the one thing I didn't have was the kind of that maturity, that patience, that understanding. So I just kind of built things around me. Like I got a mom to quit work. A sister came to live with me. My sister lived with me. I just had a yeah. house just full of people just to yeah. help the scenario rather than being a parent, you know? That's yeah. interesting. When did you kind of realize that that's what you've done? Not until I would say uh, only about five, six years ago, you know, when mm. you, I don't know, every now and again, you have those periods in your life where you just kind of take stock. And I think lockdown for everybody was probably one mm. of those moments where you just kind of like took stock of things that are going on. And we were very fortunate during lockdown. You know, we, um, you know, for me personally, I got to kind of spend more time with the kids, spend more time at home, spend more time with the wife and stuff. And um, yeah, I think we just through having that like, conversations like, over a couple of nights, it was just like, you know, I think she just asked me one time something like, what was it like having a you know baby, um, at that age, because she was young and she was scared. Yeah, my my now wife, you know, yeah. when mm. she start first started having kids, and I didn't, you know, that didn't compute to me just how nervous she was going to be. But you know, you, you think you're ready for these moments, and then they actually yeah. arrive when you're like, "Fuck!" But at twenty, <laughs> you're a baby. You're oh, still a baby yourself yeah. at twenty, aren't you? Well, this is the thing. You just, I, I don't know, and also I don't know what your experiences were like. But when you're in hospital and you have the, have the kids, and it's just, it is literally just like. There you go. Yeah. Deal with that. Oh. And you're like, I mean, I remember the first one just being like, what the hell do you do? Like, how do I feed it? When do I feed it? How much do I feed it? What am I supposed yeah. to do? And then like, by, I mean, by the lad now, I'm just picking up by his leg and swinging him around, <laughs> putting his clothes on, <laughs> eat that, drink that. And people are looking at me like, what's going on? Like, and I'm like, oh, it's sound don't worry about that <laughs> that must have been a really like mad point in your life because you know i remember at the time when you got signed it was like for five million or something yeah. for, for, and it was like big news you wasn't you one of the most expensive teenagers or something was that yeah a, it was a record was, you held yeah i was i think it was the third most expensive teenager in the world at that particular time uh it was yeah. like r9 brazilian ronaldo went from psv to barcelona uh yeah. robbie Keane went from coventry to inter milan for nine million and then it was me 
And it was yeah. it was mad, wow. right? Honestly, it oh. was carnage. Like, I mean, I remember arriving in Newcastle and it was like press are following me all over the place. I've got into my my hotel room and you know, I just thought, right, a couple of minutes to myself. And I'd done my I'd already done my press conference that day. But I just got back to my hotel room. I'm putting on kind of like what's going on on the telly. And it was just like me, Sky News, me on this, me on that. And I was just like, this is, it was crazy. And, like, and when I got back to my room, like Nike, for example, sent me, I mean, the product was mental. It was like, <laughs> it walked into my room. It was from floor to ceiling of just like trainers, tracksuits, boots, just everything you can imagine. They just sent me. It, it was just, you know, a dream how, at the time. And then? I loved it. I was 18 years old. You've got that at the moment with Blacks, the mountaineering shop, haven't you, Rob? Is that oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm owned about Why a backpack from Blacks, and they've been ringing me up trying to like apologise. <laughs> I'll talk about it. Oh, it's, I actually felt really bad in the end. Basically, oh, I bought no. a backpack, and they ordered it online for me in the shop, and then I have to go back to the shop to get a refund. And I was like, I can't they just oh, refund right. my card? No. I'm owned about it. I've had five phone calls from all the different people from Blacks. <laughs> they wanted to send me a backpack. I was like, no, I'll just explain the policy. And I just thought, like, oh, how boring is my fucking life that I'm talking about a complaint with a mountaineering you know shop? But anyway. That is quite funny because, you know, when you're talking about like products and stuff like that, you, know, you, you just heard me briefly before we came on to talk on the pod about this uh, baby chair that I'm trying to mm. currently put up in the room. And, and that's why I was late getting to the pod. Basically, it's a Stoke baby chair. It's a really stylish one, right? That goes yeah. right next to the kitchen table. Apparently, your child can like grow... As they grow, they grow with you and can have dinner with you and whatever, and they're part of the right. family. And like, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, I know, it's, it's such bollocks in it, all of that. Just thinking, oh, that plain, we've got, we've got that pasta. one. I've just Googled it. Yeah, we've got you've that got it. Right, yeah. And it, it's got like 5,000 attachments that uh, you have to put to it. Yeah. And it's funny because the first thing I do when I get all these things, I go on YouTube and I go, right, this is the easiest way to, because the, the instructions are always a pain in the ass. So I go, right, went on YouTube. <laughs> and it was funny because you've got like a load of mums who come on who are like, so I've got my uh, new Stoke baby chair. This is how I'm going to put it together. They're really yeah. like calm. There's like a couple of dads that are on YouTube and they'll go. The first line of one of them was like, <laughs> Um, I just want to say sorry about the mess. Uh, ignore the mess. Um, it's difficult for a dad doing this on his own. He was like really stressed out. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not going to watch this video, mate. Sorry, I'm, I'm going to go back to the car. Whenever I put the YouTube videos on, I, I, part of me is going, this absolute loser doing the YouTube video. What a fucking loser. And the other part of me is going, this person is my only hope. Like, this, this person is all I've got in the world. They literally are, though. That's it for this special best of episode. I'm Scott Bennett. And I'm Gemma Bennett. And together we are Brew, Brew with the Bennett. Yeah. Say it Brew, together. Brew, Brew with, with the, the Bennett. Bennett. Every Sunday, a bit of chat, a bit of... Humour. Humour. Together. Tea. Tea. Cuppa. Coffee. Brew. And chat. Yes, it's good. Join us there. You've got round shoulders. Well, they need... They need. And, 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 a, and a side profile of Gerard Depardieu. <laughs> she only serves us Tetley tea bags, which in itself was a bit of a... A, a bit of a... A, a, <laughs> a bit of a letdown. Because I saw... I knew it was... I knew it was Yorkshire. I've just noticed you always go... Before you say so... <laughs> It's like I'm building up, I'm cleaning my floor. I just want to talk about... Just listen, do it again. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder I have anxiety dreams. Oh, my God. 
Hello, my name's Joe Wilkinson and I do a podcast with David Earl. It's called Chatterbix. Chatterbix is a podcast, magazine and chat show, isn't it? Yeah. We're on three times a week. We have loads of guests, special guests, surprise guests. Can I read some of the highlights? Yeah. Interviewing a Red Arrow pilot. Visiting a haunted house. Chatting with Ricky Gervais, Harry Hill, James Acaster and Catherine Ryan, amongst others. Backstage at the Blur concert at Wembley. And I met my hero, Andrew Roachford, and I cried. So that's Chatterbix. C-H-A-T-A-B-I-X. Chatterbix. Andy Bush here from Guestimators, the brand new game show where guesswork beats Google. Join me, our resident quizmaster Statman Matt, and a celebrity guest as we dive into the brains of the great British public. Statman, what sort of questions have we been asking? Well, Bush, here are some of my favourites. Who's the best Irish person? Which finger would you chop off if you had to? And how many human-sized corgis could Prince William beat in a fight? To play along at home and listen to the podcast, just visit guestimators.com. I think I chop off my left little finger, by the way.